Thanks for joining us today for the Anchor Daily. We are reading through the books of Acts, learning about the early church and the unstoppable power of the gospel. Listen close as we dive deep into Luke's and Paul's accounts. Disappointment, frustration, sadness. I've heard those words used when people describe the past few years as COVID and its after effects wreaked havoc on churches everywhere, including Bethel. Disappointment at how quickly people turned away and fled. Frustration at the mistruths repeatedly shared. And sadness, especially sadness at the destruction of decades-old friendships and relationships once forged together on Sunday mornings and in small groups. Hashtag sigh. How does one recover from such intentional destruction and overcome the pain of disappointment, frustration, and sadness? Hello, podcast family. This is Angie, and I admit that is a pretty Debbie Downer way to start off a podcast. Hashtag depressing. I tell a dad joke right here to lighten the mood, but I'm not a dad. And I'm positive it would only make things worse. But this I know. Our passage in Ezra 3 is relevant for today, as we're going to dig into their season of disappointment, frustration, and sadness, and consider what lessons we can learn from them. I think an overview is needed, and Pastor Ray Pritchard laid it out beautifully when he said this, quote, The year is 537 B.C., the place is Jerusalem. The Jews have just returned from a long captivity in Babylon. Some have been gone from their homeland for 70 years. Others have been gone for 50 years. They were sent into ta- captivity as part of God's judgment on generations of disobedience. Now, at last, the first wave of Jews are returning to the land. But everything has changed. The countryside is in the hands of their enemies. The city of Jerusalem lies in ruins. The walls have been torn down and buildings have been looted. And worst of all, the temple built by Solomon 500 years earlier is no more. It's gone, vanished, utterly destroyed. The Babylonians took the gold, silver, and everything else of value. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. The altar of sacrifice is gone. And the temple implements are gone. In its place lies a field of rubble. So the Jews go to work with vigor and determination. First, verses 1 through 6, they rebuild the altar. Second, verses 7 through 9, they relay the foundation of the temple. And then they pause for a public praise celebration in verses 10 and 11. But in the midst of this, a strange thing happens in verses 12 and 13. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. The young folks danced and cheered while the old folks wept, and the shouts of joy mixed with the weeping was so loud that no one could tell them apart. What a strange scene. But if you do the math, it all makes sense. The temple had been destroyed in 586 BC. 50 years later, the Jews returned from captivity and began to rebuild it. 
The older folks who could remember Solomon's temple were at least 65 years old. Meanwhile, two whole generations had been born in Babylon. These young people had no memory of the glories of Solomon's temple. Having grown up in pagan Babylon, they cheered the beginning of a new temple. It was an answered prayer for them. But to the old folks, it was like comparing a tar paper shack to the Taj Mahal. How pitifully small it seemed to them when compared to what they had once known. Their disappointment was so great that they wept while others rejoiced. End quote. You know, this kind of sounds familiar to me because we are prone to do this as well. Some of our older generation have remembered how good things used to be. And because, as in our Ezra passage, they were so focused on past glories, they could not deal with their present reality of change and new things. So how do we acknowledge our grief and sorrow, yet not stay stuck there looking backwards? Can today still be good or even better than the past? I think Ezra gives us a great blueprint in chapter 3. This is what Yahweh's people did in Ezra's day. Scripture tells us they rolled up their sleeves and they got to work. They didn't become bitter, lethargic, or discontent. They came together as one and they worked together. Even when their hopes and dreams were far off in the distance, they offered public praises to God. They did work in the midst of acknowledging their grief. They still praised God for his goodness in spite of the hard circumstances, and they resolved in their hearts to obey God right where they were. Disappointment, frustration, sadness. It's legit for me too. So what can we do? Let's roll up our sleeves together. Let's move away from disappointment frustration and sadness, and move towards hope, faith, love. Today is still good, and it can be even better than the past. Why? Because this is God's church, and God is good. He is hope, faith, love. Together, we can and will move forward, both young and old, resolving in our hearts to praise God and obey Him right where He has planted us on purpose, and for a purpose, much greater than we could ever dream or imagine. Hashtag, God's got this. Hashtag, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Listen tomorrow as we encourage each other through God's word. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so because we would love to continue to grow with you. We'd also like a chance to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you can find all sorts of ways to serve, worship, and learn together.